Ook in de stad worden deze woorden paarsjes kiesisu. Een bekante woord van de Oi Bistro, Heilig Abt de Roof. De Poesik zegt, Wij Jushaf Moishe, en wij zijn bij Jomer Unachut, hoe om, als er gaat toe gedeulen. Moet je bijna stellen, Hashem, dat Kwaisul did a terrible avaire, terrible get, de get waigo. Ze zegt, de Gooi, dat is een moeilijke kapelle, Moishe Rabbeini, de Rijn Mehem, dat is gonna be Makatrik en Kwaisul. We find so many times that Moshe Rabbeini was Moshe Nefesh for Klai Yisrael, all of a sudden he's telling Hashem that Klai Yisrael did such a big Avaira. He says, when you think into it, the biggest oinish for an Avaira is the Avaira itself. When a person is misboinen just a little bit and realizes that uh, he did something so terrible to Hashem, he was over on the roots in Hashem, just thinking about it and understanding what really happened is something that should make a person very, very broken and basically serves as the biggest punishment, just realizing what he did. Because the Mishnah says, avayda, avayda, that's what it means. The, the punishment for an avayda is the avayda itself, for somebody who understands what it is and has a lot of pain and sar and regret over what he did. So Mishnah Rabbani was telling Hashem, Yisrael realized what they did and they realized how they became um, distant from Hashem and they're so shameful and feel so guilty and regretful for what happened. And that's the biggest onish that they could have. You don't have to punish them anymore. Mishnah Rabbani was making the avayda big in, 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 in telling Hashem that it was big in Kali Yisrael's eyes to say that they were already punished and they already uh, got what they deserved because, because the regret alone was the punishment. The idea of somebody regretting something that's uh, undesirable or something hurtful, right? somebody says something they shouldn't have said, somebody does something they shouldn't have done, or they didn't do something they should have done, so often it's not what was done or wasn't done, it's the attitude. It's the attitude. Somebody, somebody forgot your birthday. It's not terrible, right? But if, but if you tell them, oh, you know, you forgot my birthday. Oh, yeah, who cares? That was hurtful. It was more hurtful than forgetting the birthday. And if somebody comes a day later and says, you know, I forgot your birthday. I can't believe it. I can't forgive myself. I already made a reminder for next year and let's see how you can make up for it. Most often the answer is, no, it's okay. It's not, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. A lot going on in life. So you forgot a birthday. The attitude is what really um, makes, makes a big difference in what was done. Sometimes it goes even further and the whole... The whole avla, the whole uh, problem, gets judged on the attitude. In other words, if you, um, you know, if you didn't, if you couldn't give me a ride somewhere, but you tell me how much you want to do and you feel bad that you can't tell, take me, then it's not a problem at all. Right? Not give me a ride. You're not obligated. Not my driver, right? But if you don't give me a ride somewhere and I ask you why you don't give it to me, you say, "Well, I don't have to," and "Why should I?" and whatever. That's when it becomes a problem in the first place. In other words, aside from problems. Um, being taken care of with the right attitude, sometimes problems are judged by the attitude. And this is something people get, people confuse. Very often you see this in Shalom Bayes, where um, people get stuck on, well, do I have to, or do I not have to? Do I have a good excuse, or not have a good excuse? Basically just getting back into the silly, I don't want to call it immature, uh, rut of right and wrong. I'm right, I'm wrong. I do have to, I don't have to. I didn't have to. Why do you say I have to? You should have, you could have. You didn't have it's not what it is. Most often it's about how you present something, how you communicate about something, how you feel about something. When you express it the right way, that can make all the difference. So you could have two people doing the same exact thing. It's not that one's being forgiven for it, like in the context over here, it, but by one of them it's not even considered a problem in the first place. You have one husband, for example, who can't come home and help. He keeps on offering help. He keeps on saying how much he wishes he could help and his wife is understanding that he has a job and he has commitments and he's still offering that if something's important enough he will make time for it. And she doesn't even see it as a problem. She's thankful that he's spending more time outside and making more money and, and doing what he could to come up with the, with the funding that's necessary for the family. So she's actually happy about it. And the other husband who's doing the same exact thing, they're actually working together, two partners, whatever it is, 
And the fact that when she's asking him to come home, he's like, you used to get off my back, I'm doing what I could, why don't you appreciate it? And it turns into a whole thing. And then, of course, yeah, wait a minute, my husband's not coming home to help me. So I think this is something that's very important, you know, just to understand how to, how to interpret things, how to express things. And I think it's going to be relevant to what I'm about to read as well. But my point, again, nothing personal to what I'm about to read, the point is just that know how to express something. Know how to say something. Don't get stuck on right and wrong. Sometimes you could really be right, and you are right. And it's still taken so wrong, and it causes damage. And by definition, it's wrong. It's wrong. Not because it's not because it's wrong, but because it's because it's wrong. Okay. Dear my girl, thank you so much for your amazing show. I listen on tour anytime. Okay. Thank you. So this is feedback on a shear that you gave on Pasha's Bahar. When pregnancy makes a woman not up to it to be together. I really liked what you said, especially the four points, etc. I just wanted to say, from my own personal experience, as a young mother of three, when I'm pregnant, I feel so awful. The first four months, my sense of smell is so heightened that I try to avoid coming too close to anyone or anything. Now that gets complicated when my husband comes over to greet me or anything further, to the point that I could almost throw up or even throw up. Obviously, I can't tell him that it's him, so I had to make every excuse under the sun and would end up running to the bathroom or my bed right as he came home each day. I felt terrible about it. Also, the exhaustion and weakness throughout the nine months, the aches and pains, just feeling uncomfortable. By the time it was 7-8 p.m., I was at the end of my rope, as in, I pushed myself all day till he would get home and take over with the kids, etc. I wish men would be more educated about how many, how, about how many women feel and not take it so badly or personally, and to understand that most times she is not making excuses, and that, yes, yeah, sometimes the one closest to her is the one that she can walk over, so to speak, and she hopes he will forgive her and understand, and understand, and other people she has to push herself to please so they won't be forgiving. It's nice in theory to say that a husband comes first, but you can't shun the entire universe, for example, your mother-in-law and friends and neighbors, as you will be destroying, destroying all your network of help in society. I'm petrified to have another baby solely because of the pregnancy. It's a huge hardship, which is, of course, a huge bracha, but it's very, very difficult to get through. I just wish men were really made aware that their contribution to this very big exception of a time in having a child is to bear with their wives, to basically take over many of her jobs, and be super sympathetic, and most, most important, to believe her that, yes, again and again and again, she's feeling awful and kvetchy. My husband understands a lot of this, and he does physically take over a lot, and he tries his best to understand me emotionally too. He is a really wonderful husband, and we have a very strong relationship. But even he finds it a struggle, although he is understanding and mature. Now try to suggest intimacy to a woman who could barely cope with the bare basics of day-to-day, you get the picture. I often told him, I wish I could, I really really want to, oh, I often told him, I wish I could, I really, really want to, but I feel... I just feel so nauseous, but with sincerity. I really did feel bad what he had to go through. I also made sure to thank him a million times for the extra help that he had to do. I'm not saying it's easy on any of the couple, but I've heard many joke, many men, but I've heard men joke about how, oh, she uses pregnancy as her excuse for everything, and I just think it's a big trigger for fights. This lack of awareness of what the wife is really going through. Of course, a woman needs to put in efforts to still be a good wife in any way she can, and also to communicate nicely to her husband, trying not to be kvetchy, how she feels, but I think that perhaps you have the platform and position to maybe educate the men. Thank you for reading through all this, I really appreciate it. Okay, Yvaldik, so I hope I just educated everyone. Um, just kidding. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a lot to say, uh, just about the question alone, just just hearing it, and a lot of truth to it, I think, not, not, not a question. Um, in general, 
in general, I, I don't remember what I said in Pasha's Bahar, whoever wants to go back and listen, the, you know, the, the, the recent shir, the, this past Pasha's Bahar, um, whenever people give me feedback, like, so I don't look back at what I said then, because I generally say the same things again and again. Um, I'm surprised that people still listen to what I have to say. But in any case, if anything I said over there made it sound like anything different than what this questioner just said, then I'm fine with that as well. Which means that there's always another side, there's always another perspective, and most often, um, it's not a contradiction. Which means it's possible that women need to be uh, more understood, the way this the way this writer is saying. And it's possible that whatever I said over there about women being more understanding of what men are going through as well, you know, I, I don't see it to be a contradiction. And in general, I, I try not to get um, too personal when people uh, write back any kind of feedback to a shear, because it's fine, I, I just give perspective, and I'm not imposing it on anyone. On anyone. Um, I hope that nothing I say now will either be coming across as contradictory or, or, uh, you know, or, or arguing with anything that was said over here. Not, not at all. Another thing, I hope I'm not going to come across as saying anything about anything personal about the one who wrote this letter, because I know nothing more than anyone that just listened to it being read. Um, the first thing that I want to say is that, yeah, yeah, let me, let me use the platform to educate men, as she calls it. And it's not only men, by the way. This is everyone. Anyone who's in a relationship with someone who's going through some kind of sensitive situation. It could be pregnancy. It could be any other physical issues that people have. Right? Men, men or women that are going through whatever kind of physical difficulty. As well as other stresses in life. It doesn't always have to be physical. It doesn't always have to be so exceptional. It could be anything that's emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially, psychologically, and everything else. Um, e challenging, yeah, it's important that people are understanding of it. And sometimes people will say, well, it goes without saying. It doesn't go without saying. And, and like, like, like this woman is writing, it has to be said. And there's a lot to be said about it. And sometimes people would assume that, well, every man must know it already, or he must have heard it. And I don't know, maybe it's not that way. And same thing's the other way around. Same thing's the other way around. When, when, when whoever you're married to is going through something difficult, it could be a family issue, it could be, well, whatever it is, whatever strenuous thing it is, it doesn't have to be as blatant or as accepted or as as uh, validated as pregnancy. It could be anything. You you'd always want to be very um, sensitive toward it. Toward it. Just, it's just consideration. And I've heard many people complain to me about difficulties that they were going through and they weren't being taken seriously. They weren't being treated accordingly. They were just expected to just uh, get through it. So it's not a question that, that this is something that everyone has to hear. Um, on all ends and apply correctly. Aside from pregnancy being just a specific topic, and I want this to be more relevant to whoever's listening, pregnancy automatically is also only relevant to women, obviously. And there's another 50% of the people out there that have other issues. My point is just that you do have to be very considerate to whoever it is that's going through a difficult time. And there are some people that go through difficult times more often, either because they're generally less capable or generally more challenged, or because of things that they've been through, or whatever it is. It's not a question. There's the, the more general examples, the more specific examples, there's the long term and the short term and whatever else, but it's not a question. Yes, now, now there are women, for example, those powerhouses um, that many people know of, who do pull through nine months of pregnancy as if nothing happened, or almost as if nothing happened, whether it's the working and the coping and the this and the that, you know, the real... And sometimes people look and say, well, if my sister could do it or my mother was able to do it, how come you can't do it? Whatever. It's not a question. Everyone has their own limitations, and especially when it's normal that a woman who's pregnant obviously has a different uh, set of rules, um, and it's important to be considerate of it. And going back to my other example, the fact that you know somebody who went through any kind of 
difficulty or loss, or whatever it is, and they, it didn't affect them, doesn't mean that the person you're living with has to live up to that. And of course, part of being sensitive to someone's sensitive situation is, is being understanding of them. Which means, from the person that's trying to be helpful and understanding, um, it's important to know that this person is going through something challenging and he might, he might be grumpy and he might not be nice about it and he might not be um, communicating the right way and, and yeah, you still want to be very understanding to what he's going through or what she's going through. You know, from the, from the end of the person who's trying to be there for somebody struggling, don't get too stuck on, yeah, I'll gladly do it if only you uh, ask nicely, etc. You know, from the end of the person, from this side of the coin, or the person who's there to be understanding and helpful, I think it's important to, to be understanding of that part as well, that part of the struggle is not just when somebody can't do something physically, not just when somebody can't uh, provide or be there, um, you know, the way they should be and, and be doing what they should do. It's also sometimes about, uh, they might not be in the greatest mood and somebody has to tolerate that as well. Granted. So that's just uh, something something that's very important and, and, and I definitely feel that people should hear it and I'm happy that this uh, writer... Is, is mentioning it so clearly. I think it's a, it's a very good point, very valid point that people all over in different situations should hear. Now, reading through this letter definitely didn't make me want to uh, not scream, but interject a few times with the word communication. Communication. So much of a relationship in general boils down to communication. That's what it boils down to. Hashem gave us um, the, the gift of speech and communication, and that's how we let people know how we're feeling. That's how we make people feel. That's how we interact. And, and so much of it boils down to what you say, how you say it, when you say it, and to who you say it, and things like that. You know, just with the one example you gave, you know, you can't handle your, your sense of smell is heightened, for example, overly sensitive, and um, and you have to throw up, and you don't want to hurt your husband's feelings, and you're busy giving excuses and running off. First of all, again, this is, I don't see why this has to do necessarily with pregnancy. I understand that it happens often then. But there are people who... You know, call it misophonia, call it whatever you want. There are people who are very, very sensitive to a lot of different things, and they can't handle certain things, whatever kind of sensory issues. And I know with some people it's only during pregnancy, good for them, or good for their spouse, but for some people it's more more common, and it's important to know how to communicate it. To look for excuses your whole life, or for nine months, um, instead of just communicating the right way, is very often just avoiding uh, what could be very helpful in letting everyone feel good. If, if something's bothering you, and you're very sensitive to it. Um, I, I think it's a, I think it's okay to communicate it in a healthy way, in a way that's not challenging to anyone, not making anyone feel bad. Nothing personal. You're very clear about it. This is my own issue. I can't handle the smell of anything, and anything gets gets too close really uh, makes me not feel good. And uh, please uh, just be understanding and be with me. Just saying it, not when somebody walks into the door and you're busy running away and you're like, "Hello, I'm running away because I can't handle you." If you say it in the right time, in the right tone, and and you're apologetic about it. I think it's fine. I don't think people will be hurt. I think they'll be they'll appreciate the clarity, and they might even appreciate the fact that you don't feel great about the fact that you just had to do that. But at least we're on the same page. Neither of us felt good. It wasn't comfortable, and it is what it is. It's, not, it's nothing personal. That's what I think. Um, even when it is personal, you could say it's not personal. By the way, if somebody is repulsed by something that someone's doing, and for whatever reason they can't get it to stop, and they don't think they'll be able to, whatever it is, it's fine to give an excuse about why you're repulsed by it and communicate that it's not personal, it's not about you. But certainly when it's talking that about the other person, I don't see why you, why you wouldn't communicate that. Um, I think it's important I think it's important to communicate these things. I'll, I'll give you another example where the word communication is just like popping up at me. The fact that a, a woman who's pregnant, and by the way, I, 
I don't know if the one who was writing this was pregnant when she was writing this letter, but by now she probably isn't anymore if that's the case. Maybe she's again already. But if, if during pregnancy a woman feels at the end of the day that she's at the end of a rope, and I understand it, and I wasn't even able to read all the capital letters in the letter, I, maybe I was able to sing the tune, but it's very normal. It's very normal at the end of a day with kids or whatever else is going on in your life to feel like you're about to plot. And this is why I'm going back again and saying you don't have to be pregnant for that. There are people that plot at the end of the day whether they worked hard or, they're, or they can't cope or they're overwhelmed or they have 14 kids under the age of 13. Whatever it is, people plot and it's normal to plot. But if it's a pattern and you saw yourself plot yesterday and the day before and the week before or the pregnancy before, then, then why wait till you plot? And why wait for the other person to plot? And why wait for someone to walk into the house and, and, and feel like, oh, here it goes again, I'm coming home to chaos. Talk about it, communicate in the morning when you're chipper and you're happy and you say, you know, I feel terrible. I know that when six o'clock comes, I'll probably be at the end of my rope. And I know that when you walk in, everything falls on you. Um, just could you be more understanding or could you come a little earlier and I'll give you some space or could... There's ways to talk about it instead of plotting. Now, I'm, you didn't say what happens when you plot. But some people, when they plot, they get very negative, very nasty and very um, not pleasant to be around. And it's all with the justification of, well, I'm plotting. Don't you know I'm pregnant? I know you're pregnant. Tell me about it. You know, why, why are you plotting on someone? You could talk to them. Maybe you could both come to a certain understanding that communication could often uh, be the key to. I don't see why you wouldn't prepare for just a little better. Um, so again, my, my point is not to attack the writer. Nobody deserves to be attacked for plotting or for being overwhelmed or for being pregnant, for that matter. I'm just, I'm just saying, communicate about it and let's brainstorm together. It's not about me plotting and getting nervous at you and you being understanding about why I'm being nervous. Let's, let's try to avoid it and come up with ideas. Let's brainstorm. I'm probably going to be very overwhelmed, right? And, and what can we do about that? Sometimes, you know, somebody will have a chasna and they won't sleep by night. Okay, so just clarify. I'm, I didn't sleep this night. I'm going to be very tired. What can we do that at 4 o'clock when I do come home, I'll be able to take a nap? Okay, so in a sense, an exception. A chasna, full night, whatever. But the point is that if you talk about it in advance, we could be on the same page instead of me coming home at 4 o'clock like a zombie and wondering why you didn't figure out on your own that I'll be so tired and why do you expect me to help you uh, for these 15 minutes, and you're thinking, well, 15 minutes, okay, you push through the day, 15 minutes not going to hurt. That's not the point. By the time someone's worked out, uh, worked down and, and, and worn out, um, I believe that a lot of this could really change. Um, and, and, then, and then one more point, which is similar to what I started with, with the vote in the beginning. The fact that somebody is um, worn out overwhelmed and plotting, for example. That's just one example. And, and a lot of other difficulties that, that come into a situation like this where somebody has to, um, your husband, Bokshem, you sound like a wonderful husband, good for both of you, and he has to put in a lot more work because you're not capable. For whatever it is, these few months, he has to, he has to do the work. It, it's understandable that he has to do the work. It's understandable that you can't do what you were able to do when you weren't pregnant. It's understandable. It's granted. It's validated. It's understood. It should be a given. Okay? That does not, and, and, and nothing personal. Does that mean that you should that you're not obligated or that it's not correct to say more pleases and thank yous? He's doing more work. Does he deserve more pleases and thank yous? Well, he should be doing it. That could be. It's still okay to say, "Could you please do it?" It's still okay to say, "Thank you so much for doing it." Very often, when somebody's putting in more work, or for whatever reason, it's necessary, and everyone understands. I'm at the end of the day, and you have to take over. Does that mean that it doesn't come with a "Could you please take over"? I, I, you know, it's not, it doesn't take that much energy for most people to say the word please. And if it does, it's a problem. 
Which means if somebody finds it hard for them to, for themselves to say, could you please do this for me? Why do I have to say please? If somebody has that knee-jerk reaction of why do I have to say please? Again, and, and, and I don't want to get too personal or negative, but just think about it. If you have an issue saying please, there's something wrong with that. Why do I have to say please? You don't have to. You want to. Healthy people, kind-hearted people, gentle people, flexible people, understanding people say please. What do you mean? But, but he's supposed to do it anyway. So well. When you say the word please, it makes it easy for someone to do it. When you say the word thank you, it makes it easy for someone to do So he could be doing all the work, and you could, you're allowed to be platzing, and you could be less capable, and it could be normal, and he's taking out the garbage, and peeling, and cooking, and whatever it is, and, and it's normal, and it's granted. But how, how do you go about it? Do you go about it, but, but should, he should be understanding. Teach them. Teach those men. Why teach them? Say, ask nicely. Talk about it. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I don't think at, four, at 6 p.m. I'll be able to do this. Could you please do it? Thank you so much. And when that happens, say thank you again. And the more thank yous, the more pleases. And this has nothing to do with, I hope I'm not coming across biased against pregnant women. Um, I'm saying this to men and to women. And whoever it is that finds themselves in a situation where they need someone's help, even if they feel that somebody should be doing it, even if they feel that they have every right to be frustrated and overwhelmed and, and less capable, everyone in their own way, everyone understands their own situation, it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. The fact that you feel a certain way is, is fine. You're allowed to feel that way, but how do you communicate it? I think that's really what, what it boils down to. Um, and I've heard people tell me, I've heard people tell me that I understand that because my wife is going through a situation with her family, whatever it is, that I have to do more. But the way she talks to me, now some might say, well, she's overwhelmed. When you're overwhelmed, you don't talk nicely. I hear. But maybe we should give some education about that too. I, I'm not justifying it. I'm not saying that he should, he should be helping less. I'm just pointing out. I think everyone knows, just for example, and I don't mean to compare, when somebody's in the hospital, well, first of all, Kim Peturin as well, after a baby, but when someone's in the hospital, you're going to visit someone, you're going to stay by someone. Everyone understands that someone in the hospital is not feeling great. They're feeling overwhelmed, they're feeling down, they're feeling depressed, they're, feeling, they're not feeling great. And, and still, the difference between the one who's in the hospital taking favors and visits and, and needs people to help them, and they're being gracious about it, saying, please, thank you so much, wow, so kind of you, and, and mentioning it, it's, it's just so much more pleasant to be around them, it's so much easier to do it. And the other one is saying, I have to say please and thank you. I did this a few hundred times. Isn't it normal? Your father's in the hospital, you don't come over, you don't do this. If that's the attitude, you just, you just turn people away. So like I, like I started off with, you know, sometimes the whole, the whole thing becomes a problem or not a problem based on the attitude. I think that's, that's what's very important to, to mention. Um, another two ideas that I want to talk about. And one is that you're you, you talking about the men, the men joke about how women use pregnancy as an excuse for everything. Again, maybe I'm taking this personal because I'm a man. I don't know. Maybe. Um, but I, I, I don't mean to stick up for men making these jokes. I mean to stick up for anyone making these jokes. On anyone. Which means any women who are going to make a joke about men um, making excuses because it's the end of the season or they're stressed out or whatever. Whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. Because well, they're, they're fasting, for example. I, I think that's a... Um, I, I think this is a good example I think this is just a good example, not not to uh, not to compare. I'm not comparing pregnancy that goes on for nine months. I never experienced it to someone who's fasting for 24 hours, Tisha B'Av Yom Kippur, or whatever it is. And in some chassidish circles, you have men that are fasting more, the women fasting less, or whatever it is. But when somebody's fasting, for example, right? Same thing. Some people will say, "Well, he uses it as an excuse for everything. When he's fasting, he can't help with anything." Right? So I'm just trying to balance the joke and the and the idea. Um. I feel that it's so important to understand what, what, what an exception is 
I think that was part of the, the, the writer was writing. I think people need to be educated about what goes on during this exceptional time of a woman's pregnancy, right? The point is that an exception should be an exception. An exception, when something is an exception to the rule, it has to be an exception. Now, there's, there's two things about that. There's, there's first of all, um, keeping it an exception. Regardless of, of what that exception is, it could be once a week. You can have a guy who does a night shift, for example, in the bakery once a week. Okay, so that the next day he's he's out, right? He's out. But why why is it like that? It's excuse, not excuse. again. If it's once a week and it's only the day after the night shift, only the day after whatever happened once a week, or once a month, right? So women who have that once a month uh, thing where now now is the exception. I'm allowed to be in a bad mood, okay? Or once a season when it's a job obligation, or once a year whether it's a pregnancy thing. Everyone in their own way. When an exception comes about and it's exceptional, which means now things are changing. That's not how they were before, and it's not how they will be after. And you can be sure, and everyone knows, that this is, this is how it is. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is like this. Thursday is the day, no one to talk to. And then Friday, Shabbos is again pleasant. Most often, when people see things as exceptions, they will accept it. They'll accept it, it's an exception. The thing is that sometimes it's not an exception. Sometimes you have a guy, for example, he doesn't have any nerve, he doesn't talk to his wife like a mensch, really picks up her phones, um, gives attitude, not too helpful, and when she calls him on Friday, what does he say? You know, I was up all night last night. What's she thinking to herself? Um, you were up all night last night, but when I called yesterday, you didn't need to help me. And the day before either. So why are you telling me you were up all night? Right? Why are you telling me it's the end of the season? It's not like it's not like a month ago you are more helpful. In other words, people don't realize sometimes, and again, nothing personal here with this example, but sometimes what people don't realize is they're, they're giving excuses about exceptions, and the person they're excusing it to knows this has nothing to do with the exception. That's not what it is. So you're using it as an excuse. You're copying out of something that you always cop out of with a good excuse. And you're wondering why I'm not taking that excuse. And the real reason is because there's nothing to do with the excuse. So I think it's important to understand that sometimes exceptions are seen as excuses when they excuse things that have been there all along. Again, I don't mean anyone. I'm just pointing it out that sometimes people get resentful for excuses that are just excuses and not exceptions. And exceptions need to be exceptions. With the right amount of communication... Um, I, I think that people could communicate what an exception is. You know, till now I was able to do it. Right now I don't think I'll be able to, and I can't wait until I'm able to do it again. I think people could understand that when it comes softly and nicely, and not with "oh, you should understand that on your own" and whatever else. So I, I think that's uh, when exceptions are communicated gently and not as entitlement. And exceptions are exceptions, and people know that exceptions are going to end. What a guy tell me he tells his wife is pregnant now for the fourth time, and so far every time she got pregnant, he ended up doing more of the work. And he, after each pregnancy, he was left with like a bulk of it that just never went back to the way it was. Now, I'm not saying he was right about it. It could be he was doing things that he was expected to do all along. My point is just that sometimes people find themselves in a situation where they know that if I sign up for this, it's not going away so fast. That's why I don't want to do it. Not because I don't think I should do it now. Now I know I should do it. But I'm afraid that this is going to stay mine forever. So, again, with the example of fasting, I don't think that the, a small town is, is, is nearly as good as a comparison. And my point is not that pregnancy is not an exception. My point is that for those who want to make sure that it is, I think that communicating it nicely and keeping it an exception is definitely something that should be um, understood. Definitely something that should be understood. In general, anything that people know when when's going to end. Pregnancy, we know when's going to end in midstream. When people know, sometimes people get into this thing of, I'm not feeling good now, I'm not feeling safe, I'm not feeling good, I'm not feeling a hair, I'm not feeling a hen. And I think we should wait now because now is not a good time. When people hear those excuses about now is not a good time, whatever it's based on, but they don't know when it's going to end, 
What does it mean now? Now means today, now means this week, now means this month, or now means that until further notice, I'm doing my own thing with an exception, with the excuse that now is not a good time. So that's also something just to understand the idea of exceptions, that exceptions need to be exceptions. And if anyone's going through any kind of, like I said, financial stress or, or emotional, physical, whatever it is, whatever, family issues, whatever it is, it, it, it's taken better and accepted better as an exception when you make sure that it is and you clarify that it will be and that nobody's afraid. So that was one idea that I wanted to talk about, the idea of exceptions. Another idea, and again, I don't know why I find myself excuse. I don't know why I'm excusing myself every few lines over here because I, I really don't mean anything personal to the question. Sometimes I do, but I don't. I'm just pointing it out because it was part of the letter. Um, you wrote something about, uh, you know, I understand that in theory, husband comes first, and uh, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't walk over him instead of my sisters. But at the end of the day, I can't shun out the society, and I do need the people around, and that's why he's the one that's going to have to be more forgiving. That was a very poor justification. A very poor justification. Um, I know that sometimes it sounds like, yeah, the end of the day, you should tolerate me more, for whatever reason, or I, I can't do this to my family, why don't you understand? It's wrong. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have much more to add. It's wrong. Not people that come first. My point is not that a husband or wife should use against each other, that you can never please anyone else unless I agree or unless you please me first. or unless It's important to understand there is a balance. There is a balance of society and family. But the balance is not that um, I can step on you because then I can't step on. That's not the idea. The idea is that if I feel that I want to help my brother or learn with my brother or build his sukkah, I, I should reserve the right to be able to do it because that's what I want, not because my brother's asking me to. In other words, if, I, if me and you are only doing what you want and I can't do what I want, there's something wrong with that. But if the idea is that you have to understand that I can't do this to people around me, so I'll do it to you, I, I don't think that's, that's okay. And very often, uh, when, it, when it does seem to be okay, it's very often just a spouse tolerating and you taking advantage of the person you're most comfortable taking advantage of. Now I understand, I understand the problem. Well, if I don't do it to my husband, I'll do it to my sister. She'll never forgive me. She won't understand. I hear you. We could talk about how you get along with a sister. But to do it at the expense of a spouse and justify, well, he should know, he should understand, he should he should tolerate it. I, I think it's wrong. And a spouse, a tzaddik or a tzaddikus who takes it, doesn't mean that it's right. You know, there's, somebody once told me, there's this famous line, I think from Chaim Briska, they say it, Nebuchadnezzar is Zoychapikoyrus. Sometimes you have a guy who's apikoyrus, someone says, he's a nebuchadnezzar, nebuchadnezzar is The fact that he's nebuchadnezzar doesn't mean that he's not one, he's, he's also an apikoyrus. So, you know, some, somebody was saying something like, you know, Rachmunas of a tzaddik or Rachmunas of a tzaddikus is also a Rachmunas. Which means the fact that you're living with somebody who's very tolerant, a tzaddik is a tzaddikus, you know, and it's a Rachmunas, but, but he's a tzaddik, he's a tzaddik, but he's a Rachmunas. It doesn't take away, in other words, it's not, it's not a healthy way in a relationship to take advantage of someone just because they're a tzaddik and tzaddikus. They could be a tzaddik and tzaddikus and still be a rechmonis. They could be, you know, it's a pity that somebody would have to tolerate abuse just because somebody feels the most comfortable abusing them or taking advantage. So I think it's important to acknowledge that and communicate it and, and, and be aware. So let, let me just go back. I didn't mean to come across strong or negative. I think that it's definitely, definitely important for men to understand the limitation and the difficulty and the challenge that women have during pregnancy and everything that women do for them, for the family, for the children is not something that anyone uh, you know, could ever do instead. This is, this is you know, a woman's carrying a baby for nine months for both of you. Uh, of course, of course, it takes a lot of understanding and, and, and they definitely deserve a lot of that, uh, not validation, the help and, and, and really working alone, not a question.
Not a question. Everyone has to be considerate of anyone going through a sense of situation, especially the person you care for most. Um, communication is very often the key to just getting around the difficulties that these situations bring up instead of just saying, well, it should be that way, instead of communicating it, or just being expressive. I did mention the idea of making sure exceptions stay exceptions, and that's when they're usually taken best. And make sure that you're not um, taking advantage of somebody tolerant. Because that could also be to- called taking advantage, even if the person is letting it happen. And like I started off with, you know, when Shabani says, Una So much of it has to do with how you feel about it. Right? You can do a big avaira chazoshum like the eigel, but you feel terrible about it. Okay, Hashem will forgive. But you can do a small avaira and not care and be apathetic, and then, whoa, that, that, that's a problem. And the same thing is at home. You could do things and say things and communicate things, and if you're clear about it and gentle about it and appreciative about it and soft about it, then even when you're really, really not doing well and really not uh, providing or performing or uh, working along the way you should, it's usually taken okay. And if it's not being communicated well or the right way, then even if you could be very right, very right, and, and really right, it's, it's a reason why some people just won't understand it and won't, won't do well with it. And it's not about educating people as much as making sure that it doesn't feel so challenging. So I hope that I just hope, you know, pregnancy is definitely a gavinch in the thing. It's not a, it's not a tough situation that I hope people avoid. Chaz on the contrary. You know, pregnancy is a gavaldiga thing. And uh, child rearing is a gavaldiga thing. And uh, running a home is a gavaldiga thing. And if all this is done you know, with the right communication, the right feeling, the right attitudes, then I wish we could all live together.